Hello. Greatest show on earth. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello, it is us. We are here. I feel I, like we haven't recorded in a very long time. I know that's not it. actually true. Is that true? It feels it's been like a while. it's been no, it's so been like long. Since a while. We haven't introduced ourselves in a while. Oh, go ahead, Renee. <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> you you got something? I am Renee Ronica Bahati Klug, the Tigress Peacock. <laughs> Extraordinaire. <laughs> Extraordinaire. So the tiger and the peacock are both birds of or, uh, animals of They're India. They're both birds They're of both India. Birds of India. <laughs> that they are. The tiger in India consequently can fly. Oh, that's right. Only in India can it do that. Um, And I'm Nicole Cottrell. I have no (laughs) special fancy spirit animal (laughs) attachment. But she is wearing a Def Leppard t-shirt. That is true, I am. So last episode, we recorded, we had a double hitter on deconstruction. We did. And And instead of following it up with something light and breezy and like cover girl or maybe (laughs) Like why would we do that? (laughs) We've decided to go a little bit more... Well, I think a little bit more storytelling in terms of the why behind the deconstruction, mm-hmm, true. the toxicity that can emerge from the church in both sinister and subtle ways. Yes, very good. So very there's true. some stuff that's super overt, and there's some stuff that's super covert, and there's some stuff that I may have seen, but Nicole has never seen. And I think so often we think, well, this is what this is what toxicity in the church looks like. And so this is what you have to look for. And this is what you have to run from. And I don't actually think that that's true. I think that they yeah. can look like a lot of things. And we're going to try <laughs> to flesh that out a little bit for you. So yeah, we're talking about spiritual abuse. And you can call it mm. lots of things, toxicity, manipulation, all of it in its various forms. And we have a lot of personal stories around that, and we'll probably be a little more storytellish. Yep, I think so. This episode, but yeah, like you were saying, I think it was it was one thing to sit and talk about deconstruction, and we, I, I, I was really, um, I don't, I don't want to say happy with that episode, but I feel like the, our deconstructing episodes were really what I hoped that they would be. But then even after thinking about it like why did we why are we even on that path why have we why has that become part of our story and for both of us it's it's not the whole picture but we've definitely come out of some measure both of us of spiritual abuse Mm -hmm. and it's contributed without a doubt to deconstructing and i think we've woven different stories throughout all of these podcast episodes Mm -hmm. but i don't know that we've ever actually directly directly yeah, talked told about, about all of the different experiences that we've had that Nicole and I probably I can't speak for Nicole but I will say for myself I didn't even okay well this is the funny one I don't want to get ahead of myself but here I am getting ahead of myself go for it I didn't even realize that it was toxic as it was happening mm-hmm. but I did and I ignored that voice mm-hmm. yeah and that's something I think so many of us do maybe even women but I don't know but that is something I think for those of you, wherever you are in life, like age-wise and wherever you are in your faith, however long that has been, I think it's so important also to learn how to trust what your eyes are showing you right. and what your heart is telling you and right. what the spirit is speaking and what your ears are hearing yep. without necessarily uh, ignoring all of those things and trusting the, don't trusting yourself and not just trusting the system. That's so good. We're gonna definitely going to get into some of that, of the ways that we – well, the ways that spiritual abuse actually 
trains us and wires our brain to not trust the voice that we hear or our instincts or all of those things. Like we're going to get into that. But I wanted to read a um, – I'm going to be really studious and I'm going to read a, a definition. This is from a book called Escaping the Maze of Spiritual Abuse, Creating Healthy Christian Cultures by – Dr. Lisa Oakley and Justin Humphreys, and I'm just using their definition because I like it. Um, And I think these things can help just frame out as we're talking, but spiritual abuse is a form of emotional and psychological abuse. It's characterized by a systemic or systematic pattern of coercive and controlling behavior in a religious context. Spiritual abuse can have deeply damaging impact on those who experience it. And then they go into all these different ways that it happens and what can how it can... um, manifest and we'll talk about some of those as we go if as we as they come up and as we share our own stories i think maybe i'll just use some of their language because i think it's helpful to have some language around the things that we experience and feel that we don't know how to name sometimes yeah and to be super fair this is a all out like (laughs) my experiences span uh having been uh, in abusive patterns with people who were Calvinist and people who were charismatics. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even pinpointing any one thing. And yeah. I know there are a lot of um, systematic patterns of abuse that cross over to different religions. But mm-hmm. for the sake of Nicole's and my yeah. spiritual paths, we are going to stick with Christianity. Yeah, that's right. All those Christians, we don't, yeah, they, they've got plenty to talk about. All the other Those evangelicals have got plenty to talk about. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Well, you so, want to start with a story? Let's have story time. I mean, you know, with you know my my initial story straight out the gate, eighteen turned uh, became a Christian and then went straight to Bible school, straight to evangelical Bible school, <laughs> and you know it was actually what is the word halcyon. It was a a nurturing environment. I felt like it was the safest place I could possibly be. The worst thing I ever did was I drank like too much Kahlua on my Ooh, 21st birthday, Kahlua. right? Because you're not you're not doing the drugs, you're not the having drugs. the sex. And uh-huh. It wasn't your typical college experience and I appreciated that. Yeah. So what it would have been good for me if I probably may, kind of may have. I was supposed to go to U of A if I hadn't gone to Biola. But there's one specific story that emerges as a specific story, and I think, and this is the charismatic one. And then the evangelical kind of abusive narrative is more of the overarching one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the one that was more like mind control and uniformity. Yeah, yeah. But the specific one, and you know, I you've heard me moan and groan on here about not having a mentor, but I've always come really, really close. And there was a black professor, female, and I admired her so much. She was never even my professor. Mm-hmm. I think I swung by her office and I just felt, we both felt compelled to connect with mm-hmm. each other. And I don't even remember what she taught, but it wasn't English. And she invited me out to eat and we went to eat at the Elephant something or other. And we went there and we hung out a few other times. And then finally, like after four hangouts, she took me into her office at the university yeah. and she asked me to copy her. She's like, I'm going to say these sounds and I want you to copy me. Oh, I, my brain took – it took my brain a second. Yeah. I, I and I didn't really I know what are. was happening because uh-huh. remember, I'm at an evangelical tr- uh, uh, school. school. Right. So I haven't really – now I got – when I became a Christian, it was through a prophetic word. So I knew that that was real. Yeah. But I hadn't really heard anybody tongue talk. Right. So she's kind of telling me to do this thing. And I'm like, what are you? And I've, of course, read about it in the Bible because I did so much Bible reading. Mm -hmm. 
So she says, just mimic me. And I was like, okay, is this how it goes? I, was yeah. like, I thought it was like laying hands and then the spirit kind of provoked it. But she was like, no, this is how it goes. So I did it and I started, I, like she's uttered a few sounds and then I uttered those same sounds. Right. And then it was kind of over and I left and I got back to my dorm room and the first thing I thought to do was take a shower. That's so interesting. And then, and I never considered that I was had had been filled with the Holy Spirit or prayed yeah. in tongues. It just felt, I don't know, it felt coercive to me. Yeah. And it felt icky is the word. It you're felt looking icky, for. yeah. And I can't put mm-hmm. my foot on. I can't put my foot on it. <laughs> I can't put my finger on it. I think it's just. I don't think that that was the way it ought to right. have been done. Yeah, like those coercion and anything, whether it's tongue talking or prayer or the way you dress or the way you mother or the way you wife or the way you school anywhere, anything you do. I don't think anything can be produced out of the spirit of coercion. Yeah, but so that's. One of the first stories, which wasn't sinister. Yeah, no. It just was odd mm-hmm. and and it didn't feel real. Right. And even then, though, I mean, you said like you thought to yourself, wait, isn't this supposed to happen this other way based on the based on the knowledge you had? Even if yeah. it was limited at that point because you were still a new, newer Christian, you still had this thought of like, wait, I thought it was supposed to look like this. Yeah. Yeah, And what is fascinating was I think a year later, I actually went to England uh, for a study abroad. And while I was there, I did get involved in a charismatic church. Mm-hmm. It actually was part of the Delirious. You know that band Delirious? I mean, I've heard their, of them. Their cousins ran it. It was the Smiths. Evan's nodding. And yeah, it was the I don't the, know the Christian the bands. They were great. His, his cousin, Martin Smith's cousin, I can't remember any of their names. This was 25 years ago. So, But they were fantastic. They were totally... Um, they were tongue talking, charismatic. Tongue talking is this? I've never heard tongue talking. Tongue talking, I like it. Like <laughs> like spirit filled believers. Anyway, so I went. So I was kind of like getting into it. Like, okay, this doesn't seem fake. This mm-hmm. doesn't seem coerced. I remember yeah. just observing, thinking that. And then I was going to bed one night, and I lived by myself in my little dorm. It was a little single bed, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, "I want to give you the gift of tongues." Mm-hmm. And I was like. Mm. Yeah. I was like, okay, Lord, but I'm a little freaked out. Can you just wait till I'm with people? Yeah. And I just felt like the spirit of peace going cool. Yeah. So about six months later, I was with a group of people who turned out not to be the safest people. But at that moment, they were. And I told them about what had happened in England. They're like, all right, we're going to pray for you, Renee. Yeah, yeah. So they laid their hands and and they were expecting this like big, long five hour to do. Right. But the Lord knew I was ready. Right. And they're like, all right, whatever you hear, whatever you do, just speak it. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. So they laid their hands on me and within three seconds, I actually spoke in tongues. Mm-hmm. And cool. and it had happened and that was it. And that was my prayer language. Yeah. And what was hilarious was when people at Bible school found out that I now spoke in tongues, a lot of them were either freaked out by me uh-huh. or wouldn't be my friends. Uh-huh. Which is also a form of spiritual abuse. Yes, it all is. This is why I thought those those stories it's tied very, together That's quite very nicely. much rooted in the judgment and, you know, judgment well, fear. and fear of, right. And just freaking freakishness. And what you've been told, you're not allowed to experience outside of your own little private Which, Christian bubble. This is a strong statement, but I would say that, like, not allowing the Holy Spirit to move like that is essentially negating this Jesus. I mean, that's a, I obviously agree with you. But, but if you're a cessationist, 
You don't agree? I'm fine. I'm not a sensationist. I know. I'm saying we're not. No, and I'm saying that's not. If you don't speak in tongues, I'm not condemning you. I'm not saying that you, in order to have a right relationship with God, you have to speak in tongues. You do not not at all. Or no prophecy. But I think saying no to those things is dangerous. So that's 95 to 99. And I'll pause there. And you can. What's Um, your 95 to 99 look like? 95 to 99. (laughs) um, I wasn't a Christian in 95 or 96. The end of 96. <laughs> it's like you're going to go year by year. Is when I, well, I'm just thinking. I mean, where was I? I was in high school. So I became a Christian in high school. I didn't really have – I honestly think that my entrance into coming becoming a Christian, I mean, I no one in my family was a believer. And so it was just me floating around by myself, which we've talked about on other episodes. So I actually think given all of that, I probably would have been more easily manipulated. You would have mm. thought I didn't have – really any framework for scripture or what church culture was like. Um, I was just gung-ho and I was excited and I wanted to be, you know, doing all the things all the time. Um, But I had a – I came into a, I would say, relatively healthy church, but it was a charismatic church. And nothing – I can't think of anything glaringly obvious that ever happened there. Um, I actually spoke in tongues there for the first time, but I was completely by myself praying on the floor. Hmm. No one was even with me, um, which I really loved that it happened like that. But one interesting thing that actually I was thinking of was I had been at that church for quite a while and I was going – I had gone to college, come back to Phoenix and was had come back to this church. And one of my friends at the time, she came to me and she's like, hey, Nicole, have you prayed about leaving – um, because I'm leaving. And I was like, what do you mean you're leaving? Like, where are you, where are you going? Where are you, what are you doing? I didn't, I had never left a church. Like I had only been there and done that at that time. And she's like, yeah, I just have this feeling like God's been telling me that I need to go. And I was like, oh, well, okay. You know, I'll see ya. (laughs) And I didn't say anything. I thought she was completely wrong. And maybe three nights later, I had a dream, um, and I know I don't even know if we've even talked. I think I think on one of our episodes we talked about like the ways that God has spoken to us. Maybe I think maybe the and hearing, we, like, went but into also some praying, of this. But like praying. I'm sure some of this sounds just like strange to people. But this is these are our experiences. Um, I had a dream, and we had two pastors at the time at that church. I had pastor and assistant pastor, which is pretty standard. And I had a dream that the church was split into two groups of people on two different boats and that we were sailing through these really – we were on this in, in water in these really dark caverns that had water and that there was a split coming up in the caverns that were going to go one – some people were going to go one way in a boat and another group of people hmm. were going to go another way with a sign that said, do not enter, danger ahead. And I was on the do not enter, danger ahead boat with one of the pastors. And I was screaming at him to stop the boat and turn around. And then I woke up. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I'm going to leave. I felt like that was pretty clear. Like something's coming. You should go. Um, and I'm, I don't know if it was because that friend said something to me or yeah. what. I have no idea what would have happened. And I don't know if I would have experienced some kind of spiritual unhealth had I stayed. But then I left. And about two years later – I found out that the church had a terrible split between those two pastors and a lot of people were really hurt Mm. in the process. And I thought about that, like, why was I, I would mean I was protected from that. Yeah. And I was taken out of that. And I have other stories of 
protection around spiritual abuse too, which I probably will share. But um, that was kind of that time frame for me. I wasn't really in an environment at that time where I was experiencing anything like that. Um, then, but then I found my way to a mega church. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, if they have three, that's the thing in Colorado where we lived for six years, they called them mega churches uh-huh. there. There was only one story, please. Right. <laughs> if you call yourself a mega church and you don't have at least one balcony, back on back up. You up. are not a mega You're church. You're no mega church. How dare you? You want a mega church, you come to Phoenix. Oh my gosh. We've I got mean, like stadium size. We have stadium sized churches here. It's a it's a it's a strange phenomenon. I really don't I mean, now looking back, I think, what? But at the time, Again, I wasn't a part of like some giant group. I was a part of a small group inside of a smaller group inside of a mega church. You know, it wasn't yeah. which felt like our own little micro church. It was this college group. We didn't we didn't go to church with ten thousand other people. Okay, sure. It was just there were like two hundred of us. But once you stopped being students, or once you stopped being single, were you then funneled out into the big? Yeah, you you generally were. There were other things people did. I mean, there was another smaller campus. But yes, but all that to say, a lot can help. I think a lot of people have really great experiences at mega churches, and then you can have a lot of the stereotypical sure. spiritual abuse kind of now, crap. Did you experience spiritual abuse at the mega church? Yes. So before we started recording, we were like chit-chatting, and I had mentioned to Evan, like thinking about purity culture as an example. This was my first foray into purity culture because I was seven, almost 17 when I became Christian. Then I was at this charismatic church, which there wasn't much spirit, purity, purity culture stuff there. Um, but this mega church was the first time that I was told, like, what to wear. Oh, I Like, we went on a college retreat. We were going on a college group trip to California, and they sent out an, an email saying that I couldn't wear a bikini. Didn't yeah, we talk about yeah, this? Yeah, we did. So I couldn't wear a bikini and I was like, I'm sorry, what now? Like, I just didn't even know that that was a possibility. I didn't know that there were adults telling me, an adult. Yep. I was not a high schooler. I was 20, 20, 21 years old telling me what I could and couldn't wear around people. Um, and then just that subtlety becomes just this ongoing communication mm-hmm. of – well, you're technically, you're actually responsible for the man's mm-hmm. lustful desires. You need to be covered. You need to be modest, 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 modest. It was modest as hot as was the messaging without them actually blatantly saying that. I mean, that's what was reinforced again and again. And just the whole idea that I was responsible for another person's potentially for their for their complete and total failure mm-hmm. um guess what that's spiritual abuse it is spiritual abuse and purity culture is had become this kind of just across the board accepted form of spiritual abuse mm-hmm. that everybody just stepped into yep yep and the reason, and I'm stopping here because it's this, it's one verse. It's usually you hang on, you hang an entire theology or yeah. an entire set of behaviors on one verse. And this verse is do not cause another to stumble. Romans <laughs> That's 14, That's 13. <laughs> and it's, you know, when you, when you start there, starts, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. That's the one. 
I know that I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. So that's so interesting because I can see where that kind of thinking would emerge from that scripture because it truly is loving. Like if you know that somebody, okay, for instance, we went to a very small 50th birthday party where we, we, we'll post the picture of us dressed up 80s style. And before you got there, Nicole, there was a couple that was there. Yeah, because we had we took a picture of it. We did take a picture. I like posting pictures of us, you know, so you can see how much fun we have in our everyday lives. Um, Anyway, there was a couple that was there right before either of you got there, either even Evan or Nicole, and they were both wearing masks. And this is not to like self-promote or to like congratulate myself, but I looked at them and I was like, would it make you feel more comfortable if I put on my mask? And they looked at me and they're like, oh no, thank you so much, but we're vaccinated, we're this, we're that, we're just traveling and we want to make sure that we're just on the up and up before we travel because wherever we are. And I said, cool. But I'm like, when I look at scriptures like this and I think... And I think about not putting a stumbling block and not passing judgment mm-hmm. and, you know, recognizing that nothing is unclean, in, including TNA, right? Uh-huh. That's not, those are not, that's not in, unclean. TNA isn't unclean? TNA is not unclean. Um, but it's unclean for anyone who thinks it is. Mm-hmm. So now we've taken this and we've contorted it to saying, okay, if this is, if this guy struggles with porn or if this guy wants to do, a girl, but he's not married and he's been told he's got to get married yeah. before he can do it. And if I'm wearing a bikini and I'm a good looking girl, uh-huh. he's going to want to do me, but he can't do me because he's not my husband. Right. Right. It's, <laughs> do you like, do you like this? Well, that's essentially how it goes. And so I, you know, as a, as a kind and a kind woman will say, okay, well then if my being in a bikini is going to make him picture me naked, right? then, then maybe I, I don't be wear a bikini. bikini. But listen, bikini or no bikini, if this guy's got a problem with lust, he's going to picture me naked if I have a freaking parka on. Yes. If you're in a footsie pajama with a hood, it doesn't matter. If someone wants to envision someone, it's, a bikini doesn't, it's not necessary. And if there's a bunny tail on the point. back of that, forget it. You have boop, just, boop. you've just okay. sentenced yourself to hell. Okay. So what I'm saying, the point here I'm making is that this is the scripture from which this whole theology comes from, but it's totally, what it has is it's, it's put the fault and the onus of responsibility entirely on the, the subject. Right. If you have a problem with sex, then don't look at this and don't right. do this and don't do that without actually going to the root of what the issue is. Well, part is. of it is too, yes, I fully agree with you. It's also because purity culture is born out of misogyny and the patriarchy. 100%. And so it's just subjugation of women. I mean, it, yeah. I, I say just, like it's because it's so much easier and normal yeah. for women to be the cause of something and to be oppressed in some way whether you know they're being blamed they're being they're being told what to wear not to wear what to do what to say not to say it's that's just the natural course (laughs) and so we like to pretend that we're this you know sophisticated uh evangelical modern society that we're not subjugating women but that's ultimately what it is i mean when you break it down it's saying you are dirty unless you're married and even then, maybe not. You should still be pretty, oh. you know, moderated in your sexuality. Yeah. 
And if married women are too quintessentially hot, they totally get ostracized. Oh, all of that. Like you can't be too hot in the church. You have to temper your hotness. Okay, this is the verse that came to my mind though when you're reading that verse. Because remember when Jesus said this? Jesus said, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He always flips it back on the and patriarchy. Then says, and then he says, Jesus if was your a feminist. right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Don't put on a one piece. Don't put on a one piece. It's better for you to lose one part of your body, men. He's talking to men. He's talking yeah. about men who look at women lustfully. It's better for you to lose part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. There is zero onus put on a woman in that. None at all. He yeah. actually calls out the entire thing and says, actually, if you're just thinking about a woman like that, you need to deal with the root cause. Yep. You need to take care of that Yep. so that you can have a life. Of, I mean, he really is talking about having a life of abundance. He's saying, don't, don't waste away being caught up or trapped in this this cycle of this he doesn't want that for people but he's certainly not placating men like oh i know it's so hard for you because you have testosterone boohoo yes right it's that is correct and if you want to know current cultural uh members of this kind of patriarchal uh circle (laughs) r kelly just got um today he just got convicted and it was amazing a little too late i can't believe how long it took i mean am i surprised but i'm I'm actually a little surprised for the the, that 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 took so long yeah but he is part of the same system right where he uses his power he uses his influence Mm -hmm. to subjugate those who are weaker right and weaker not just physically weaker but i'm saying in weaker positions and listen this is a black man we're talking about that's right so the the patriarchy <laughs> the patriarchy transcends transcends uh, gender yeah and oh to, uh, transcends race and, and race oh yeah that's um race. and the second person is who is that the 19 kids and counting the oldest son oh the the uh, duggar i don't know what's, yeah. what's his name josh josh, josh duggar. duggar that guy oh. There was a show that was like founded I, on the basis of purity, oh, and this guy had I have so, such, so many bad feelings. Much, ugh. I mean, I've heard around R. Kelly too. I could never watch any of the R. Kelly stuff, actually. Yeah, but I I read one article about Duggar. <sighs> Gross. Just okay. Actually, that brings up another thing that we kind of pre-talked about. One of the, and I mean, I don't even know if we have stories around this. Maybe we do, but one of the hallmarks i guess of spiritual abuse is protecting the abuser yes is actually the system works to protect the abuser to silence the victim and the church is unfortunately extremely good at this and very guilty of this i mean ravi ravi zacharias he was protected again and again and again and again so that Mm -hmm. he could continue to abuse for Decades. Years, decades and decades of abuse, of a trail of of victims behind him. And then even Duggars, I mean, they they protected their son. He abused his sisters mm-hmm. and they protected him. And then he was able to continue going on and abusing more people. I mean, that is sort of built in too. I mean, that's built into the system to, to not believe yeah. people. Yep. That's part of spiritual abuse is to not believe people and i mean usually it is men and women not being men being accused and women not being believed not always not always 
Often, um, though. But yeah, but that is often the case. Or it's minimized, and this extends beyond the church into just straight up culture. This idea, and this happened with one of my abusers, was... Well, it was just Renee. He only he oh, only hurt Renee. That's called minimize, minimization. It, it, it's total minimization. And it is so vile. Yes. And it turns out that he was abusing a lot of us. Of course he they was. They had repressed it. Right. They or one of them decided just to hide it. Yep. And because she was a lot older. And but they both within the last twenty five years have come out with their stories. Mm. Not to everybody, but right. to me. Right. I mean they're not going up on yeah. podcasts and talking about right. you know the stuff. But I don't have anybody to protect. I know. I know. There is nobody in their churches here that we might call out by name. Why? Because you got to own your stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to like vind or to like, you know, guns blazing and go out. But I mean, there are certain people you have to be called to account. But those people who minimize and to say, well, it, it was just her story. Oh, it makes me so ill. It's and I'm so like, grievous. For every one person who's been abused, there are probably at least five others who have who are not Absolutely. ready. Absolutely. Also, say it's not even close to scriptural. In no way does it align with the heart of God. Yeah. Fine. Let's use the the one that we're all thinking of. One sheep goes astray. Does God care about the 99 and he goes after the one? Of course he does. Yeah. I wish I had looked up this Old Testament story uh, beforehand and it's going to be, it's going to take too long of a pause for me to go and look it up. But in memory, um, David had a grip of kids, King David, and one of them was a, a daughter named Tamar and and then her, one of her half brothers was, I think, Amnon. And Amnon like was in love with Tamar. Mm-hmm. And so much so that he wanted her. And mm-hmm. she's like, look, brother, instead of just taking me, ask our father and he'll allow, allow us to get married. Yeah. And instead of doing that, he raped her. Yep. And then he hated her and he despised her. And then in that culture, which even though it ha- happened to, uh, happened thousands and thousands of years ago, that rape relegated her unmarried. Right. Unmarriedable? Unmarriageable? Unmarriageable. And she was just decimated. So Absalom then wanted to avenge Amnon. And David somehow, because he wanted to protect his kids, and here's where I don't know if I have all the facts right, so any of you theologians, just back on up, because I already know that I might have a little bit of a fuzzy story here. But David did not directly deal with it. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit, I think through one of the prophets, is like, you need to deal with this because it's going to come back to Mm -hmm. bite you. Well, we know the story, Absalom, Absalom. There was a whole uprising that happened years later. And they can tie it to David's negligence in that area. In not dealing appropriately with what happened between Amnon and Tamar. And I I encourage you to go read it, go Google on up that that story and read it and find out for yourself what all happened. I'm going to be doing the same thing afterwards. I, I kick myself. It didn't come to me until we were talking. But this whole idea that even in scriptures, and you can always go into scriptures and find God writing wrongs. Yes. And now, listen, do I think that God uh, like smoted David for his? No. <laughs> I, I think, smote you. <laughs> I smote you. It was a natural consequence of yeah. a negligence of in a serious infraction. And of protecting an abuser. Of protecting an abuser. That's exactly what it was. All of these things And not protecting happening. the victim. Yeah. And um, anyway, I'll stop there because I don't, I know that there's fuzzy parts of the story that I'm not getting. No, that was, that's but really good. I think there, when you look at Jesus um, protecting the woman 
to whom they wanted to throw rocks, mm -hmm. the woman caught in adultery, yep. he doesn't protect them, he protects her. The That's one right. that you just mentioned, yep. Jesus does not protect uh, the, the men. men, he protects the women. That's right. Jesus will protect the underdog at every account. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, we're not going to get into like the why so much is this happening and why our churches so often quick to protect the abuser. I mean, we can make inferences. We know that some of it is power. Some of it is maintaining power, maintaining control, maintaining a, a appearance of, mm -hmm. you know, goodness and rightness yeah. and um, holiness and holiness. And, and, and so then if we look and we pretend like we're perfect people um, and we have this perfect church and this perfect community and nothing bad ever happens here, no one ever sins, um, then I don't know what, like it's, it's obviously backwards, but I mean, that's kind of where it goes. That's where they get to. It's true. And if you want a story, I got a story. 2000, 2002. You want to hear it? Yeah, I want to hear it. About protecting power. Oof. This, it's, this, this, is a bad, this, is, this is a terrible, terrible series of events. And I will, I will trigger war now. Mm -hmm. that this, is, this is like it goes as far as murder. That's murder. where we're going. Yes. I, don't, I never told you these stories. So when I moved to New York, uh, we got, I was with a friend, um, we got situated in like this church community. It was a very charismatic, a huge mega church. Mm -hmm. And there was a house in which they um, housed women who were coming out of drugs and, and prostitution and mm -hmm. things like that. And here they put these like two 22-year-old virgins up in there, right? Yeah, they put you guys in that house. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was great. And it was, these women were getting ready to be, ref or they were like on their path to reformation. Yeah. But it was legit. Yeah. Like there were, like, there were lockdown hours. Yeah, were sure. All of these things. Um, but it was still a good experience. Yeah. But anyway, stuff started to happen. And I started to have dreams. I started to have experiences at the church. And I got, when I was in the church, I would just feel like something is happening. And I would look around and I would see women throughout the church look at me and they would be glaring at me. I kind of feel like I remember And this keep part. in mind, I was like 21. I was yeah. 21. Yeah. Maybe 22. I can't even remember. And... I was like, why, what do they have against me? Yeah. Like, what is the situation here? So I'm processing all of this stuff. So in the meantime, I had my stuff stored with, with them, mm -hmm. like all my stuff. And when I went to go get it, a lot of it and the best of it, including my jewelry, which had been tucked away in this very private thing, had mm -hmm. all been stolen. The church had been storing your, the all church of your personal had been items? Stolen, is that the church had been storing it. And it turned out when I went to go your get it, most gone. of it was stolen. Right. Okay. So I confronted the church about it and they paid me back then i moved to their sister church out eastern long island and the pastor they like immediately like brought me in it was really really cool and they were like we want to take uh we'll take family photos when your family comes out hmm. and they did all this we gave them like hundreds and hundreds of dollars and we never got the photos oh. and i was like this is really strange and i'm starting to feel all of these things like something's not right so as i would go back to the two different churches all of a sudden there would be like visiting pastors who would come and i could see as they walked in that they carried like a spirit of authority mm -hmm. with them that there was some sort of something happening yeah and i was watching it and i could see it with my like spirit eyes mm -hmm. but i was just a girl there like whatever and then these people would disappear what they would disappear 
What is this story? I'm telling you, this actually happened, Nicole. It happened. How have I known you as long as I've known I you know. and I've never heard this I know. story? So they would disappear and I'm sitting there and I'm watching things unfold. I'm seeing that twice now. Like these are things. Like I mean, the yeah, mafia? A little bit. And so things were getting space. stolen. <laughs> People were... So I would, I would, I would give these people something; they would take it from me. I'm experiencing these it's things. It's a pattern at this, this point. This pattern, right? Right. Okay. Then I start to see like more corruption happening. Yes. And then I see people like rising up to speak against the corruption, and these people disappear. What? And I'm like, where did they go? And they were told, oh, they just left here or there. So I'm like, something is nutty about this situation. Nutty is not the so, word. I come, go on. Look, y'all have listened to this podcast. This is like the 27th or 26th or something episode. Y'all know that I do tend to have a pretty audible relationship with God. And this is when all of that stuff happened. And look, when you talk about baptism by fire, he freaking put me in the middle of Ikea and set the whole place on fire and made me like run out of there. I hate Ikea. And Ikea I hate is fire. a maze. So anyway, yes. you know, I've talked about Dante's Inferno and Ikea not being the, being the level that Dante... Um, <laughs> forgot so it was like it was my living hell but it was one of these things that i was just living through like my eyes were being opened to what the system could be yeah yeah if it wasn't handled appropriately right, right. so anyway i'm like why are all of these people disappearing why were Nobody, they disappearing well so Renee, i tell take me. a train into onto the uh, into this town from you know manhattan or whatever and I get off the train. And all the people are there. And oh no, none of the people are there. All of a sudden I hear good. I hear cries of people. Like this oh, is no. not I don't real. Like this, story. this is not real. No. This is in my spirit. I don't like this person. story. Whatever. I don't like this story whatsoever. And I kid you not, I know that I know that I know that I know that it was their blood crying out from no, the ground. I don't like that story. Any single person, so this is what I know now, 25 years later, yeah. and that pastor now is like, has his dick between his legs somewhere in Jamaica, hiding out because he knows his- Because he it, ran away from He the ran law. away from it all. And uh, anytime, so they had all sorts of frigadiga happening. Frigadiga. He was, he was sleeping with a lot of the women there. Of course. There was all sorts of nonsense happening. There was thievery the of people, all kinds. Though? What happened to the people, though? What happened to the people? Anytime somebody- tried to speak up yes. and call him to account. Yes. They were killed. How? What? I don't know. How? They were gone. They were just gone. I don't know. Maybe they were just excommunicated. Where and where did they go? They went to Utah. They or, all or, died. Or, or they're in They all died under mysterious they're in circumstances. Iowa. No, they're dead. It's been twenty five years. They're all dead. People actually died? They actually died, Nicole. Like there's um News articles stating I don't like know. Joe Smith was I mean, killed maybe. in a car accident. Do you think that this is all? Did I get? Did I get told a story? I don't know. This was like I'm not so saying you got told a story. I'm just this as a true crime really as a true part crime of a aficionado. No, this was back in the 2000s. I have to have, have actual stuff. facts. Okay, listen. You I'm going to take your story. No, I'm going to take your story as it is, as I believe you, because I know you. But I'm then I'm going to also. Separately from this recording, <laughs> I'll give you all their names. I have to do the actual fact checking because I ha my true crime brain is firing. <laughs> there are so many things happening in my head right now that have nothing to do with spiritual abuse, and I want to know 
what happened to people, like actually happened. And there's to people. so much more to that story, and I just I stuck it on one thread because there, there, if too many threads and the whole thing untangles. Uh, but <laughs> um, anyway, that was that. What what that taught me though is you don't can, say anything or you die. No, that's, that's just, speak up. Cause that's de- how you two speak up. Yeah, speak up. How? Because it's worth it. Then you to so you went to other places. Your takeaway from that was <laughs> share your objections. No, I don't know where I'm going with this. So my I mean, takeaway, listen, I get it. My takeaway is this: if you, that system stunk, and any so from then on, I never, I rarely associated myself. With any sort of systems of power yeah. in which a pastor had too much to offer yeah. insofar as nobody else got a chance. Right, right. That makes sense. And anybody who surrounded themselves only with power or didn't surround themselves with anybody, oh, yeah. a la Ma- Mark Driscoll. No accountability. No accountability. Mm-hmm. Anytime that happened, right. it just allows so much sickness to come into Absolutely. a church. People start tearing each other apart, and then and then it allows you to have so much power yes. that you can start axing people. Look, That's, it was like twenty five minutes from New York City. You I know? really I pray to Jesus that those people are just they're chilling. All they're dead. chilling in Tahiti. I hope they're, they're in Bora Bora. Tahiti. They have a coconut drink, and they're not. They're dead. Okay, something you unless said. they went to you know the middle of the earth, the middle earth conspiracy middle earth conspiracy oh i thought you were talking about flat earthers no oh we should do an episode on flat i'm not doing an episode on flat earthers the whole whole episode i could contribute like four sentences to that and all of them begin with the f word (laughs) and so um (laughs) so here's what we would love for you to do rate review subscribe And tell us how much you love us because we are just so lovable. (laughs) So lovable. But it actually does make a difference and it does help people find this podcast. If you like this podcast and you care about not only but also, you know, if you drop a little line there on Apple Podcasts and give us a little review, it actually means something. It does. And on Facebook, on Instagram, and on any of these kinds of things. Listen, if we in any way have helped you see the both and better... Let other people know so they too can see more clearly. We are Noba Podcast everywhere. Thank you.